So not often, not often do I come before you trembling. But I do today. The topic for this sermon for the whole month, in fact, is God. And I tremble because this word is a bugaboo. A bugaboo around here, a bugaboo for me, a word that causes fear. And it's a valid fear, grounded in the concrete, aggressive words and actions of others. In a sense, Hope Church exists as a response to rigid and dogmatic portrayals of God, both ancient and modern. Hope specifically arose in this period of American history and up on this hill in South Tulsa, this specific geographic location, as a reaction opposed to increasing religious fundamentalism. Most of you know this history, but during its early decades, when Hope was founded during the 70s and 80s, there were ambitious religious leaders speaking loudly on behalf of God I believe with all my heart that the Bible is the infallible word of God, declares Jerry Falwell. He's that lightning rod for commingling religion with public policy and politics and his moral majority. He declares, if you're not a born-again Christian, you're a failure as a human being. Such extraordinary imaginary line he draws between human beings that is regrettably real in its divisiveness. You're either in or you're out. Hold on to this potency of imagination because we're going to keep coming back to that. So here in Tulsa 50 years ago, similar ideas about God and the Bible and power were bubbling up, changing our landscape. Kenneth Hagin develops Rima Bible College and ministry, and he preaches this prosperity and healing gospel, his word of faith theology, which claims that when the truly faithful ask, God rewards them conveniently with financial gifts and lots of other wonderful things. His motto is, say it, do it, receive it, tell it. And Oral Roberts is doing the same thing, building his empire at the same time, and his apocryphal tale of God and how it works in his life is pretty similar He's a struggling part-time preacher in Oklahoma, hasn't managed to get his college degree, and one day his Bible opens to the third epistle of John, and his eye catches verse 2, which reads, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, be in health, even as thou soul prospereth. He hadn't heard this verse before, and neither had his schoolteacher wife, Evelyn, though they both were PKs, preacher's kids. And Roberts decided immediately that it was all right to be rich. And the next day he buys a Buick 
And sure enough, a month later when he's preaching in Eden, he cures a woman of the use of her hand that had been impaired for 38 years. So, you know, the prosperity gospel worked in the sense that it built tremendous empires. These men raised funds, they got wealthy, created a small army of converts and preachers spreading those same ideas today. So in a way, God does provide. Or their notion of God provides. Their ideas of God shape their destinies. So what Hope Church has frequently and courageously stood for is what Holly Near wrote and Larry Sharp belted out, I ain't afraid of your Jesus but I'm afraid of what you do in the name of your God. Free up from fear. It will devour you. And watch out for the ego. So I expect Hope Church to remain firm on continuing to expose gods of war and glory. But why I tremble today is I have a contrary proposal to add. I ask you not allow these narrow, ego-driven depictions of God be your only ones. I bristle against what feels like censorship here. The word God is forbidden in our conversations, in our study, in our gathering. Those with an on-off switch when it comes to the word God and other religious terms are likely to hear that I'm asking this community to become religiously loopy (laughs) and intellectually sloppy. Far from it. I'm asking you who are rationalists, who are scientifically minded, who absolutely reject any idea of God to cease relying on a select source of data points. Cease using Roberts and Hagen's imagination as the only possibility. Cease dredging up the inadequate depictions of God from your past as the only possibilities. It is a logical fallacy to cherry pick your units of measurement. Indeed, Much of the data points to terrible things done in the name of God, that damning list is so easy for us to make. We could go on and on. Prosperity gospel, God who bilks people of their money, the God who takes sides not only at football games, but at wars, natural disasters, the God who who sits with the school board members, inspiring their fear of knowledge and discovery. And the God who shames any child, any person about their place in the world, their feelings, their skin color, their sexuality, or their infirmities. This terrible imagination is destructive, powerful, but those aren't the only human ideas about God at play in our world. So an honest seeker, a true scientist, 
a firm rationalist, has to be curious about all that other data. We have to be just as inquisitive about the compassionate, disruptive, and beautiful sides of human searching. What is this God that human beings have invented and sought after for more than 16,000 years? How does the human imagination use God to create irrepressible works of art and music and literature? Think Christmas carols and Handel's Messiah and Leonard Bernstein's Chichester Psalms, 8,000-foot Buddhas, that haunting Islamic call to prayer, Notre Dame, cave paintings in Lascaux. How does the human mind and heart use God as an idea to open previously invisible doors of fairness and justice and erasure of hunger and poverty and forgiveness? If we're not allowed to consider all the inspirations for these ideas, religious and secular, then we're diminished. Indeed, we aren't solely a church of humanists or atheists or Christians or Buddhists or Jews or Hindus. Instead, we agree to make room for intelligent nuance and examination. We agree to make room for experiments and failure. We commit to come together and learn from each other. And how can we have conversations of any depth if hope isn't a safe place to explore the complete history and breadth of human experience, including God, goddesses, gods? I tremble. This openness is difficult. This openness is difficult for me. During this past Thanksgiving, we played Taboo. You likely know the game. You're given a card with a word at the top, and then a whole list of words underneath you can't use to get your friends to guess the word at the top. So if it's a word like blue, you can't use color or sky or water or sad or cold. And then you see how many cards you can get through. So when the topic is ephemeral like blue, the game's at its most challenging. And I say having frank, honest conversations about matters of ultimate concern and mystery without being free to use the creative vocabulary of theology is like playing taboo. God is at the top of the card, and included in the list below, I made a little card, I had fun making it, So below that card is goddess and spirituality and higher power, Jesus. So let me clarify. I'm not asking anyone to accept God, to become a theist, or to raise your arms in the air to draw down the spirit. I am asking for us as a religious community of religious pilgrims to increase our tolerance 
our curiosity, our sanctuary, and our imagination. I'm not saying God exists or is a being. I'm saying God is an inescapable product of human intelligence, human imagination, and worthy of our consideration. God is a rich idea. And it's not just the invention of the power-hungry, the deranged, the ignorant, the cruel. Fundamentalism in the guise of having all the answers, yet the only answer is atheism, is not free religious thought. I tremble when I see, free, when I see invisible lines drawn between human beings that are very real in their divisiveness. I'm afraid of what you do in the name of your atheism. <coughs> we indulge in the logical fallacy of black and white thinking when we focus only on the extremes. Binary thinking about God as a symbol and censorship around ideas of the divine obscures honest discussions at the moment, we mostly talk about theological pain, wounds, disgust, or doubts. And that's an incomplete conversation. The um, Iranian author, Azar Nafisi, some of you may know her. She wrote um, Reading Lolita in Tehran. She has a new book out called The Republic of Imagination. And she describes how classics of American literature speak to her native country where ideas are suppressed. Not just suppressed, but they're tangible threats that can result in torture and death. And she says, in totalitarian states, imagination and ideas are not accessories. They are essential to the preservation of identity, to what makes human beings with a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And she makes an eloquent case that Americans have become complacent. In a democracy, the arts tend not to threaten the state or to exert such an urgency. From the moment Plato's philosopher king threw the poet out of his republic, we knew that imagination was dangerous to authority and that the alternative eye of the poet would always be deviant and unpredictable, always subverting authority and captivating souls. So I tremble before you when I ask, have we at hope thrown out the poets? Should we make room to imagine subversive and dangerous goddesses? Can we reclaim religious stories we previously rejected because they were merely fiction? Can we invite the gods, the ideas of the gods who point us towards standing up against tyrants? Today, as our nation struggles with the deadly human constructs of race and our subconscious fear of 
unfamiliar black males. We need every tool of the human psyche to dismantle our racist institutions. We need intelligence, <clears throat> compassion, as well as the imagination. Albert Einstein said, I am enough of an artist to draw freely upon my imagination. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. Imagine, imagination encircles the world. Unquote. We could start small by reconsidering the colors of God. Lord Krishna's blue. Krishna means blue-black in Sanskrit. We've whitened the skin of Jesus and Buddha. We need the imagination that encircles the world. And our work as Unitarian Universalists is challenging because we have to welcome the imagination that subverts while always sifting out our dogma. We have hard work to do and I tremble. May it be so. We give away our